Hello, good morning again and welcome again to Tallgrass at the Well. So thankful you're here, love seeing all the dads out here and family in town and people uh, just coming out of the woodwork, so it's awesome. So I think there's probably still food out there, pretty informal, you're welcome to go back, get more, get coffee, all the things. Hey, so um, as we explore this collaboration, you might wonder, well, how do we give to this church, these churches, well, that's quite easy. So both Tallgrass uh, Church and The Well have online giving, probably the main way most people give, but we also have a couple boxes if you prefer giving check or cash. So uh, The Well has the joy box, yes, and Tallgrass Church has the black box, dun, 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 back there. So, okay, yeah, so we're just trusting God for, for big things, you know, uh, financial provision, also just uh, leadership and direction as we continue to explore this collaboration. Um, an, an announcement I want to give that's important and near and dear to Tallgrass Church's heart. Um, every month through pandemic, we highlighted and gave $500 to a specific organization uh, in our area through pandemic out of our neighboring fund. And this month, we are giving to Life Choice Ministries, uh, a cri uh, pregnancy crisis center, specifically through their Walk for Life fundraising campaign. Now, Tallgrass Church team captain is Matthias Bieber. That's nice. Stand up. And um, he is the tallest person in the room. So uh, after we're done here, if you have questions about learning more about life choice or Walk for Life, you can talk to him. On our website, tallgrass.church, there's an event. The Walk for Life is next Saturday, June 26th at 9 a.m. at Longs Park. He'll be walking, representing us, representing you all, uh, and raising funds. Last I checked as well, he is number three on the individual fundraiser list. And Tallgrass Church was also number three on the overall fundraising list. So maybe we can blow his goal out of the water, help Life Choice blow their goal out of the water. And the reason this is uh, special on Father's Day is one of the specific areas of growth for Life Choice Ministries is developing a father's room. So it's not just moms who, who are in crisis with some of these pregnancies, it's also the dads. And so that's going to go a huge way uh, to, to fight for the sanctity of your life in our community, that dad's room. So wanted to mention that. Also want to mention next week, uh, when, you, when you come to Tallgrass at the Well and you leave, go get some food and then meet us at Long's Park. So pretty, pretty simple. Bring your own food, meet some new friends, bring someone, have them join us there. We're looking for ways to connect. The summer is flying by. Can you believe it's already late June already? So that's an opportunity to connect um, with each other. So we want to continue to get to know one another. All right, I'm going to invite up our dad's panel. So our dad's panel consists of Josh Siders, myself, Dave Geldart, Mike Salisbury, and Ron Goodman, of course. We had to get the elder elders out here from both churches. And as they're coming up here, uh, I'll spend all my dad jokes. Why uh, did Waldo not work out at the gym? Because no one could spot him. And with that, I will turn it over. Do you like that one? No one could spot him. Good. Thanks, Hey, Welcome, everyone. We're so glad you could be here with us. I think before we jump into our discussion, we'll take a few minutes to just introduce the guys. I'm going to tell you a bit about their family. And so I'm Josh, pastor of the well. I am married to Sarah, and I've got two kids. John is 10, and James is 7. We have a lot of fun together. So, Dave. 
I'm Dave. Dave Gilmer, Associate Pastor of Tallgrass Church. And uh, we've got four kids. Jen and I have four kids. Uh, Benji's nine, and then uh, Sammy is almost eight, and uh, Jack is almost six. And then uh, Annie is turning one this week. My name is Ron Goodman. Uh, we have two sons, and our clan, the picture you see, is uh, uh, two sons, wonderful daughters-in-law, and six grandchildren, so we're very blessed with that. I'm an old pastor that uh, did 42 years of church ministry and then work with a mission organization now, and they call me the elderly elder at Tallgrass. So. Elder, elder. I'm Mike Salisbury. Uh, I have two children... Jeremy and Sarah, and my wife has two children, Justin and Dana, and my son Jeremy is here today with uh, three of his five kids, so um, that's about it. Uh, ben Deaver, um, Maris and I have been married just over 15 years, we've got two kids, Kate is 12 and Maddox is 8, and our my oldest daughter though really is Jombo, she's 15 almost, and then we just got a new kitten, Lola, who's not featured there. So, that's us. Awesome. Well, welcome, all the dads. And uh, I think it's going to be a really, really good time today. Before we get started, uh, we want to kind of know who's out here and, and just get to know each other. So, I have a, a couple of questions. I have some socks over here. So, uh, if, this, if you can answer one of these questions or this pertains to you, I'd love to chuck a sock at you. So, tell me your dreams. Let's see what happens. Uh, who, is, who is the newest dad out here? Like, who... who Maybe it's just had a baby. Uh, it's Josiah. Anybody? There's no new one to claim it. Maybe. Who's the sleepiest out here besides you? Is, is Josiah the newest? Josiah's two years in. Okay. Okay. Who is? Uh, who's been the dad the longest? Who's the Who's the oldest in dad years out here? So, so it could be Ron. How old is your oldest? Forty-eight. Oh, Ron. We have a bacon out here for these dads. So you can chuck it at you. But who out here? Jim. Jim. If, yeah, if you've forgotten the year, you win. Who's the dad with the most kids? Five? Do we have more than five out here? Who's got um, who's got most grandkids? More than six? Do we have more? Seven. 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 Out here? Most grandkids. Anybody? Annie has eight. eight. Okay. You've got to share a pair with Annie. That's it. Oh, yeah. That's definitely it. Okay. Now, who's been on the longest road trip with their kids in the car? Longest road trip. 
13 hours. I heard 13 hours. 24. 24. 24. Out here. Anybody got 24? We did it. We did it. 24. 26. 26. 26 hours. This is the, the Hulk. I think this is very appropriate for all these children. You got Hulk there. I'll hear it from these guys out here. Be jealous. It's delicious. We've got crispy and uh, soft. <laughs> All right, guys. So, uh, what is? Tell me one of the funniest moments you've had as a dad. Anybody have a funny moment they want to share? This was a long time ago when I lived in Wake, in uh, Wakefield, and. My son had been out playing all day and came back and is just top to bottom covered in mud. And I asked him what they'd been doing. And he said, well, we, there's over by us, behind his friend's house, there was an alley kind of between the fences. And they wet it all down and just slid in the mud. <laughs> and he came, came home and I said, <laughs> just had to laugh and hosed him down and so he could get inside. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's Anybody awesome. else? So I'm going to set the tone here and you guys see if you like it. So uh, last week, we were hanging out with a family in our neighborhood for the first time. And uh, went over there. Our kids had played together a bunch before, but we went over there. And uh, as soon as we get there, our kids had gone in early. And uh, the dad uh, looked at me and, and said, full disclosure, your kids just told me you pooped your pants today. <laughs> And it's true, it had happened that day. <laughs> For one of the like few times in my adult life. And, and so kids, man, they'll just say anything. <laughs> and <I'll live> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I can't compete with that, so. <laughs> I think we should move on because I don't want to know who talks that. Well, you know, dads are dads are hopefully sometimes known for their their fatherly wisdom, and I'm, I'm just curious about what, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received. You know, thinking about that, I was I remember it's probably 40 years ago, so I think I remember it pretty well. My wife, who I didn't actually introduce, my wife, Barb, 51 years uh, sticking up with me, so uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, we had been listening to a James Dobson tape in the car, and we pulled into the garage, and, and I remember feeling like, man, we, we, there's a lot of things we didn't do we should have done, and all this stuff, and I remember at the end of the tape, Dobson said, but he said these words, that no matter what, there's one thing that conquers all kinds of mistakes, and that's love. Love your kids. And so we're kind of high-fiving each other because we're pretty sure we were loving our kids well, even though we, we made some mistakes. But, you know, I, I, I think that uh, there was a, a grid, and I don't know if I can, I should probably have put a screen up, but there's four different kinds of parenting styles that are talked, and then this is something I remember from years and years ago, but it's something that I think formed how we understood parenting that how high your support grid is 
and in how much structure and discipline you provide. That if you have low support and low structure, then, you're, then you are actually being neglectful parents. You're not providing the training they need. And then if you have high support and low structure, you're being a permissive parent. You're loving them, but you're not really providing the discipline, the training, the structure that the kids need to learn as they grow. And then on the other side, if you have low uh, su support and high structure, you're being authoritarian. And authoritarian parenting does not work well. Kids usually end up rebelling strongly against that because they've been forced into a set of rules, but they've not really been trained and they've not been loved and taught how to think for themselves and make decisions for themselves. The parents have made decisions for them. One of the principles we learned was when, by the time your kids are 18, they should be mature and trained, given increasing responsibility so that they make decisions well on their own and they're not having to have parents make decisions for them. So if you have high support, which is where you want to be, and hide the structure, then you're being an authoritative parent. You've taught your kids well, you've given them boundaries. By the way, one of our funny moments was my son, one time, we said, uh, he'd gotten in some trouble, one, you know, a couple times, and, and uh, you know, I sat down with him, I said, son, it's our job as parents to set boundaries. He was pushing against those, it's our job to set boundaries, and it's your job to push against those boundaries. That's part of becoming a, an, an independent child. And uh, he said, well, you sure do a good job of your, on your side of things of setting boundaries. And I said, well, you do a pretty, pretty good job of pushing those boundaries, too. So. Well, I'll, I'll share one that uh, I've really been chewing on recently. And it's, um, I guess you could boil it down to uh, the word attunement or just emotional presence and kind of cutting through all of this stuff, just really being emotionally present with your kids, which is a struggle for me because I feel like I struggle to be emotionally present with my own emotions. And, and uh, the attunement idea is that you can reflect your kids their emotions and connect with them on what they're feeling or experiencing in those really, especially those high pressure moments, instead of letting my own anger or dysregulation win the day. And, um, Actually, recently, um, um, Kate knows I'll probably say something about her at some point, but I did, I, I had a small parenting win where I actually asked the question, well, how do you feel? Whereas in previous interactions, my anxiety would have heightened and I might have lashed out out of anger more. And actually, my daughter came back later and said, I really appreciated when you asked me that question, how do I feel? And I almost cried. I was like, oh, a small little parenting win. So I think that's related to just loving one another in general and for sure in parenting is just being emotionally present. The last thing I'll mention about that, I think a lot of us have experienced or been the dads who did all the things, provided all the, the, the food and the shelter and felt like we're working really, really hard, but we were emotionally absent or we experienced that and that's a big deal. We have got to prioritize emotional presence uh, with our kids. And uh, if you really want the specific place I heard this, it's, I believe it's Adam Young on a podcast, The Place We Find Ourselves. He has a two-part on parenting, and I can send that to someone if they're curious. That's good. For me, the, um, there's kind of two pieces of, of advice. One, I'm not sure where it came from. Um, partnered together with another one that I heard from a pastor. The first one is... Appreciate your kids' differences. Like there's, there's no you know box 
that fits both your kids' birthday. There's, there's maybe a Venn diagram that there's some overlap, but there's some definite personality differences in learning to appreciate them for who they are and not where you want them to be is, is really powerful. So, and the other piece of advice that I learned from a pastor is whatever their favorite is, that's your favorite. At the moment, like what they're all in for, uh, so whether it's soccer, we've had seasons of like being all in for soccer, all right, buddy, let's go practice soccer. Or like right now, it's Fortnite. I play a lot of Fortnite. And it's not my fault, I promise. It's not my oldest. It's not his fault. Um, so, and he owns me. That's the killer thing. Like, I gotta dial back his screen time because he's too good, right? So, don't tell him that, alright? But, uh, but that means I play a lot of Fortnite and a lot of Legos. Um, I'm on the floor a lot, on, on James's level, just getting, you know, putting stuff together, oftentimes stepping on them later. Uh, yelling out words that I don't want them to learn. Uh, but that, that's really powerful. It's like they're both very different. Their, their wiring is different. The way they express themselves is different. The way they express their emotions is different. Um, and I, I, I have, I think that's really helped for me because sometimes kids get in that, they get fixated, right? Or, or they just get on a, a narrow track of this is how they're feeling in the moment. And my kids, as dads, I, I always have a bag of tricks to like shift them over into a better state. Maybe I should ask them how they're feeling more. That might be a good thing too. But I, but I, for one, I like roughhouse. I roughhouse with James because that shifts him over out of kind of this funky, you know, mood. And with John, if I tickle him, if I make him laugh, if I tell him a joke, that shifts him over. And I, and I, so it's not this authoritarian way of like just suck it up, let's move on. It's actually like appreciating who they are, how they're wired, how God has made them. Uh, to, to best like serve them as a dad. Give you guys advice. Just on the similar theme, the, the idea of uh, go for quantity over quality. Uh, of course, the quality in some specific specific moments is going to be really important, and that might form the things that they remember. But it's the foundation of the quantity, the mundane stuff that's been really good for me to remember. It's it's at least as much as it's not more important for me to invite my kids to cook with me or to go to Walmart with me. And that's, you know, just keep keep a lot of time. So that's been helpful for me to, to have a little bit less pressure. I think for me, it's um, my brother gave me some advice one time after a failure in my life. And uh, he said, there's life after failure. And that's kind of carried through my life um, I think you know, they say hindsight's 2020, which means it's very painful sometimes. Mm. So to pick up where you failed and get up and keep moving forward and striving is, I think, very important for all of us and something to teach our children that, uh, you know, you can't look back, you got to look ahead and uh, strive to be better, learn from every thing, whether a failure or a win, learn from it, and try to be better than what you were. Yeah. And with the grace of God, I think that's very possible to do. Man, that was, that was like a whole sermon. All yeah. right. Right. That's so good. Hope you're writing this down, guys. This is, this is gold. Uh, so what are some dad wins you've experienced? What are some moments, like, I think you mentioned one, where you're like, yes. Uh, sometimes that's few and far between, but like, sometimes you just know, like, I feel like a good dad. Like, the other day for me, uh, you know, s- s- 
summer's been so hot, and, and I'm trying to keep my kids off screens as long as I can, um, and, and I'm trying to get in this just daily life before they ask for a screen, trying to have a rhythm that is just regular. And so we're doing just Bible reading time. Um, and so the other day, I was just sitting there, it's like 8.30 in the morning, and I have one kid on the couch with his action Bible, and the other kid in a chair with his Jesus storybook Bible, and I'm like, I took a picture and sent it to Sarah. I'm like, hey, well, I'm just killing it. I just want you to <laughs> Jesus is really happy with us right now. <laughs> I think for me, the, um, I look and see the things that my son and I have interacted in in, in backpacking trips and uh, hunting trips that we were able to share um, by his invitation or mine. And... Also with my daughter, we were able to build a play gym together for her yard. And this was after we had uh, sort of gotten back together emotionally after an estrangement of a number of years. That was a big win for me to um, be invited and sort of forgiven, I guess, for whatever uh, injury I may have caused. So that was big for me. I, similar, you know, I asked my boys the question and, and they mentioned the backpack trips, the family vacations, uh, taking them to pizza shop every Thursday night. It was dad's night with the boys and, or when I played noon basketball with a bunch of community, bunch of community leaders in Lawrence. Uh, I stopped by and get them a happy meal on the way and, and after we'd go to Bob, one of the guys, and the church had a store, and we'd get some candy. So, you know, I, I spoiled them once in a while. But uh, they remember those things. And this little bit the traditions question I think we were maybe going to talk about. But those, are, those for them were wins. The time I spent with them, coaching them, uh, investing in them. And Jim Valvano said, great, my dad gave me the greatest gift that anybody could ever give a man. And that's, this is the basketball coach at North Carolina State who's famous for his battle with cancer and how he faced that and uh, it really started a whole movement among basketball coaches for the battle against cancer and he said the greatest gift was my dad believed in me and I think that's what I've heard from my sons is that I love them unconditionally and uh, believed in them and that that is a huge win for me as I look back. And Better than we deserve are both sons raising great families, and we're, gosh, it's nothing greater than having that family that you've invested your life in, and they're doing well. It's 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 a win, huge win. No, oh. no, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I feel I feel there's some dad's win. Dad wins when I I, I try to continue to be the one to kids to bed as much as possible, all of my boys are young and in the, in the same room still uh, together, so it's not 100%, but I try to take, I really try to make that kind of my, my thing as much as I can and kind of, you know, tell them a story and then pray together and sing and pray together. Some of my favorite times are, you know, when they ask, they ask the deepest life questions, you know, right around 9 o'clock or so, you know, like, starting late. That's all. That's right. Well, I, I mean, these are like really great questions. And I can, those are some of my favorite moments. Dad wins when they're you know, laying on the ground and they're, they're in their beds and they're asking really 
really intense, deep questions that, I don't know, that, I'm also wired to, I love that kind of discourse, so I love, uh, I love those moments, this was like gathering these I'll share one more. Uh, when those questions come to, me, come to me at 9 o'clock, I'm like trying to go to bed, whether it's my wife or my daughter. But uh, one, one dad win that I've thought of recently um, was uh, my 12-year-old daughter. Uh, we were getting ready to watch a show, and we often check Common Sense Media to see what the content is. And we looked at it together, and I just said, well, what do you think? And she thought through it and made her own decision and said, hey, I think maybe we should invest our time elsewhere. And, um, and I just, I just felt like, yes, you know, to help cultivate a filter. And, and I was actually kind of like, I hope she wants to watch it, you know, because <laughs> it'd be really fun to watch this show together. But she had chose something different and, and to cultivate that conviction and see it begin to develop. I kind of felt like, yes, I got to remember this story. I shared it with Marius and, and those things. So it was, it was one small dad win. Good, good. Uh, how, about, how about a time maybe you wish you had a new organ? Any, any times where you just felt like, oh man, I kind of blew that and I'm going to learn from that? And, and maybe even the redemptive side of that, if you see God, God's hand in that. Well, I don't have a specific scene, but I have a repeated theme. I know that uh, one, of my, uh, one of my weaknesses, character weaknesses, is being emotionally disconnected from myself. And so I've been trying to grow in that through the years. But when my kids are showing strong emotion, usually uh, anger or sadness or something really strong, I think that my nature is to try to shut them down. Maybe not uh, overtly, but I think that I, I definitely have that nature. Like, whoa, you need to calm down. And uh, then when I realize that I've done that, it's hard for me to say I'm sorry. And so uh, I've had some wins where I come back and I apologize. And uh, I want to you know, try to create a different space where kids don't have to be shut down from their emotions. If it's, you know, it's feeling kind of crazy. But yeah, I feel like I, I've got more do-overs I wish I could have than tons of success stories. Or 73. You have a whole lot more of them. That ain't so. nothing. That ain't nothing. That ain't that ain't nothing. nothing. Yeah, I think um, there are a lot of things you'd like to go back and do over. And the one that, that has really been in my heart as I've thought about this is, is that we were, I was busy with church pastoring and it went a fairly large church. So the kids were involved in Sunday school and youth group and worship and all of that. But didn't do enough Bibles, didn't have those moments you described with your boy, you know, didn't have enough of those times sitting down, studying scripture, talking about faith issues, deep life questions. And if I would do anything over again, it would, that would be it. I would have spent a lot more time educating my children in faith at home. And that's kind of a little sermon ed here to all of you who are parents is don't, don't think that an hour at church is going to provide the spiritual guidance your children need. You really are their spiritual educators at home, so that's, that's huge. Um, one little story is that I was with my other son who's not here. We, he plays, we played a lot of golf together, and sometimes <laughs> he says what, his funny memory of me was my helicoptering a club into the woods after a bad shot, and I honestly don't remember that at all, but... Uh, yeah, for some reason he would get kind of mad on the golf course too, and uh, we were playing with a couple of other gentlemen, and he was acting out pretty bad, and so I got on him really hard, and then he started walking off, 
And I told the other two guys, go on. Go on. We, so I went over and followed him. We sat down together under a tree. And I, had, I knew that one of the things that kids need to hear from their parents is when they make mistakes. And I said, son, I, I'm sorry. I humiliated you. I, I, really, I got really hard on you in front of those other guys. And I'm really sorry that I did that. And it, he cried. We cried. And that was a turning point in our relationship. Mm. It was, so I think the ability, when you do make mistakes, Mike, you've shared that. Mm. When you do, it's an opportunity. do restore, it is yeah. incredible. So. so good. So good. Well, uh, what's, uh, in, in what ways has being a dad impacted your relationship with Father God? I'll share one story. Um, so my son Maddox, this was a few years ago, was at uh, swim lessons. And if you know Maddox, he's had some, some timidity and some kind of fears that come up. And it was just him and the, uh, the um, teacher and then me. And he had jumped in the water a ton before that, but for some reason he just couldn't do it. He was irrationally uh, afraid. And I found within myself um, simultaneous like anger and frustration because I was looking bad, but also my heart was breaking for him. And then it just hit me. I, I wonder how God the Father views me when he's asking me to take a basic step of faith in him. And I was having this moment like I was almost just weeping over my own, like just the fears that I face in life, things that, that shouldn't be that uh, scary, but they really are. And how much the Father is just there, not with anger, frustration, not that I'm making him look bad, but that he just loves me and wants me to take that next right step. And I tried to bring that same intentionality to Maddox, but man, it, it, was, it was tough, you know, and you have those moments. But yeah, so I, I think it's really, there's moments like that that make me reflect, like, how does God the Father relate to me or view me? And it's showed up in other areas, like, when, when in anger I lash out at my kids and then I'm like, well, yeah, don't spare the rod. And I'm like, is that how the father relates to me? I don't think so. I think he's kind, he's gentle, he's tender, and his discipline, uh, his kindness leads us to repentance, uh, not his aggression, not his frustration and anger. And so that's been really good for me. And it's kind of tied to that previous question. I think my, one, my re main regret now is that I would not have I would have leaned into my own um, emotional challenges with anger earlier. Like, I'm finally taking it serious, but my kids are already 8 and 12. I wish I would have really taken that more serious a decade ago, you know. Um, I had been divorced, and, and my children, I was not around them very much for a length of time. But I prayed for them, and I prayed that God would restore what the worm had eaten. And he did. It was amazing. I watched my kids develop because of what God was able to do, not because of what I was able to do. And he's made my, both my children successful. I've watched my son and his wife uh, grow up their children, and I'm amazed at his fathering skills and I feel like well it wasn't for me because I wasn't there but God was and so fathers believe that God is there always for you and for your family 
and he'll take care of you even in your errors, in your faulty ways, in the things that you don't know, should know perhaps, but don't. God's there and he'll take care of you. Sounds a lot like grace. <laughs> yes. yeah. I think that's, that's it for me. It's, it's the unconditional love I have experienced for my, my children and grandchildren is how God loves me and, and all of us. And so it's, I think parenting more than anything else um, puts us in touch with the grace and mercy and unconditional love of our Father, God. So um, I, that's, that's, to me, the heart and soul of it. Yeah, I think we've got a theme going here. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm a firstborn or grew up as a minister's kid or something, but it's been hard for me, even though I know the right answer, it's been hard for me through my life to just really bedrock in that God loves me. I know that. I could write you an essay. I could counsel someone. But I struggle with it. Like, I struggle to actually live in that reality, that God loves me no matter what I do. And so that's, as I've had kids, um, and I've kind of been, maybe probably because I struggle with this, I've been intentional about trying to, uh, to get a, a phrase stuck in their head. So every, I'll, I'll, I'll we, we joke all the time, and I'll say, you know, guess I'm going to tell you something I've never told you. And they're like, what, Dad? And I say, no matter what you do, I'll always love you. And they're like, Dad, I know that you've told us a thousand times. I tell them almost every, every night so that they're annoyed with it. They roll their eyes. But if they could get that in their brain, I think that, I think that would really, uh, could really be helpful as they think about their father, God. Uh, and so for me, I, I, that's where I'm at as I think about my kids. I love them no matter what they do. Sometimes I'm annoyed with them perhaps if they're being disobedient or something, but it's never, nothing too crazy. Like I love them apart from what they do. So what if God sees me that way? I know it's true, but I'm starting to experience it now that I'm in the father position. And uh, yeah, so that's that's been Really good for my word of the year. So one, some, one of the things that Tallgrass does uh, is we do a thing called word of the year where you pick um, a word that you, a spiritual growth word to focus on this year. So mine this year is beloved, which is actually the meaning of uh, my name, David. And I, I, I feel like it's, it's just right in theme with uh, even letting that be a command. Dave, let yourself be loved. That's, that's all I have to do is let myself be loved. And that's really all my kids have to do too. That's really good. So what are some practices or traditions or just tips that you have used or developed to help point your kids towards Jesus? Um, I think we see the world telling us how we can live and how life can be better and what we can do here and there and all that. And I think uh, most of it's a lie. And I try to insert God into my conversations with my children and my grandchildren, trying to help foster a sense of his presence in their choices, in their activities. Um, he's always there. He's always there to listen, to give advice, to um, redirect our thinking to a positive result. Um, so it, it, to me it's important to, to try to do that not in a I've had problems in the past with lecturing <laughs> with uh, doing talking too much but I, tried, I still try to insert uh, God and give that perspective which I think is, is more important than what 
you know, how businesses run, how, how uh, people act, how things, the turn of events in our lives uh, can always be uh, made better with the insertion of God in our lives, with uh, voluntarily and um, explicitly saying, Lord, where are you? What do I do? In whatever the circumstance, whether it's, you know, a, a really serious thing or whether it's, I mean, if you get right down to it, uh, God says, pray without ceasing. So it could be on whether I should have that ice cream cone today. I know that sounds silly, but if you're striving in that direction to be wholly engrossed in God, then I think um, those insertions are valuable. And I think that it, if you can get them steered into getting their counsel from God instead of the world, uh, they'll be better off for it and the world will be better off for it. You know, there, I, I've already said that I wish that I had done more structured kinds of things. The redeeming value, I think, is, and I think the bottom line is who we are. Uh, you can have lots of, lots of structure and do lots of things, but if you're not living it out, then I don't think your, your influence is going to uh, have clout. So, again, asking my boys, um, that's, what they re that's what they felt I did for them and their mother was that caring for other people, loving other people. They saw a life of service, a life of ministry, a life of compassion for others. And so that's how they learned the most about God and Christ was by the, the witness that we were in serving Christ. And uh, I think that is the most important, most important aspect of being a Christian parent is living, walking the walk authentically. You know? and, and that includes including our mistakes, being honest and being able to confess and ask for forgiveness. That's an awful big part of the authenticity of our walk, not pretending we're better than we are, but doing our best to serve God and acknowledging our weaknesses as we go. I was going to say, um, yeah, I'm similar to Ron that it's like, oh, I'm a pastor of a church and it's a struggle to lead out in those disciplines in the home. I think it's toughest to lead out in the home. Um, and I've been reflecting on what has gone well, and it's usually seasons, things that don't last forever. Like when COVID hit, had this amazing season with Maddox where we would read the, the next uh, story in this devotional and watch a little YouTube video connected to it. And it came to when he would wake me up and expect that and want to do that. And I thought, we have to keep this, Lord. This has to be the new normal. And of course, things go back to normal and it dissipated and we had this amazing time during Advent where uh, the kids wanted to light the candle and, and we were leaning in as a family, but that was a limited run. So I think I'm, I'm trying to be gracious and uh, patient with myself and just, hey, if I have an idea, run with it for a season. It may not last forever. Don't beat myself up. Keep trying to bring intentionality. And because, um, man, we are, it's an uphill battle to form a biblical worldview in our culture. So fathers, we need to be... <laughs> thinking about how to invest in our kids in this way. The last little thing I'll share is, is related to those um, little moments, teachable moments that come up. It's come up a couple of times here. Um, and, and capitalizing on those, not shutting those conversations down. The other day, Maddox lost a tooth, and he's like, he's like, I know you're the tooth fairy dad, so 
I want Pokemon and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm, I'm tinkering with him a little bit, like, how do you know I'm the, and he's telling me, you know, I, well, Kate saw you go in there, and we, we kind of have fun with those things. I haven't really taught him that the tooth fairy is real. But anyways, I continue to, to mess with him, and I, I get on the phone outside of his room, and I'm like, hey, is the tooth fairy there? You're out of Pokemon? Okay, blah, blah, blah. Of course, he comes over, and he's like, Dad, if the tooth fairy was real, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't she be in the Bible? And I'm like, I don't know. The Bible doesn't talk about everything, does it? So we, we start actually having an in-depth theological conversation about the nature of Scripture, what is true, you know, and I, I was like, I, that's good conversation if I'll have the intentionality to, to bring creativity and, and engage my son. So I think we got to look for those those teachable moments. So. Well, I think I probably said this to mine, but I'll, one other thing that I kind of enjoy, I think it, helping my kids uh, develop a, a critical thinking spirit, like in a, in a positive way, like people think deeply and understand why they believe what they believe. So I, I think that that's going to be really foundational to give them you choose to follow Christ for their life, to have that be real staying power rather than just something that fades away as other things change. So uh, I, I enjoy trying to like ask them even leading questions. You know, when we when we see something on TV or something else, and you know, almost like have a, a, a cultural critique. Like, can you believe some people think that if you just keep buying more stuff, that then you'll be happy? You can get up your whole life. Is that ad trying to convince you to buy the thing because you really need it, or because they want your money? Oh, probably they want my money. Yeah. I don't need a car yet. I really want my kids to be able to think deeply and to have uh, reasons for what they, what they think and to be able to form a biblical worldview because they've actually formed it from the ground up, not just been handed it or having your dogmatism. I think for, for me as a dad, one of the most important things that I think has clicked in my heart is the, the idea of traditions themselves, like to be a guardian of traditions and, and not just big holidays, but even the everyday things that go on. For example, um, dinner. There was just a point in life and ministry, I think five, six, seven years ago, where I said, I want to be home for at least four dinners a week. And, and that was a stretch, because a lot of our, my meetings were after people got off work and things like that. And I just had to draw a line and say, it's important enough for us to sit around the table and look each other in the eye, put, put our devices down, put our devices, get them in the next room, whatever, so we can ask about our day, ask about highs and lows. And, um, and, and about that same time, I, I said, I want to be home every night for tuck-in. I want to be home by 8.45, 9 o'clock, whatever it is, so I can tuck my kids in, pray for them, and, and teach them how to pray too. Because like Rob was saying, um, and men are speaking, so much of, of being a dad and, and raising kids is more caught than taught. Like I can teach a lesson. You gotta, you know, I preach every week, right? So I can, I can do that. But it's who I am is what I reproduce. And James K. Smith is a theologian who has said, we, we are what we worship. And it's it's not as much as we are what we believe. It's it's what we are what we do repeatedly. And so that that was it, that ties into that sacred tradition of what are the things that I want to pass on that I want to duplicate. And, so I've drawn some sacred boundaries to have sacred rhythms around dinner time and tuck-in time specifically. And then uh, uh, 
weekly worship is, is I can just maybe take my pastor hat off and put my dad hat on. Um, I, I heard a long time ago, if, if worship is optional for me, it's going to be dismissive to my, the next generation that we try to pass it off to. It, so in other words, if they see me, uh, and not just with a weekly worship, but if they don't see me in the Bible, they're just going to they're, they're gonna assume that that's not important to me. So what they see you doing is something they're going to hopefully key in on as they as they go. I want to be like my dad. I, I like these things about about who he is and, and what he's done in his life and who he served uh, and the things that I don't make time for. They're just going to be easily uh, dismissed in, in my kids' lives. So and, and again, the things that I make time for regularly are the most important things in my life. So worship, Bible community, serving other people, and then, of course, family time. Because those are the things that I want to pass on uh, to you. So, um, one final question, and I know this is the one that everybody has been waiting for. We're going to transition back into worship here in a moment after this. What is your best dad joke? Okay, so the thing is, the thing is about that dad jokes is that we can rate them on a scale from, from laughing to groaning, and both the screen is actually happening. So, you're already warmed up, buddy. So, I don't even know if this is a dad joke. It's just my favorite joke. And anyone who's heard this before hates it. It's terrible. So I'll get it out of the way. A severed foot is the perfect stocking stuffer. Any more dad jokes? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I used to love to tell dad jokes, and sometimes he'd even listen. So, <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Of course, there were. You heard about? Yeah, <laughs> you heard about the kidnapping at school, right? The kid that what? Kidnapping at school. It's okay. He woke up. So. <laughs> I just heard this one from my grandson, and. Uh, have you heard the joke about the bed? No? Well, that's because it hasn't been made yet. Uh, I actually don't have one, but I decided if, if it was possible, I would cede the rest of my time to Taylor Hilly guys wherever he is. He is the king of dad jokes. There he is, right over there. Go find him I'll go find him after this. I don't hold a candle. <laughs> um, I, uh... <laughs> Did you hear the one about the guy who had been in knockout jokes? He won a Nobel Prize. <laughs> oh God. Are we done? Should we be done? <laughs> Minister 
to us in this moment. We, we know that, there, that there's, in family of origin and history, one prayer probably isn't going to fix everything, but we never know what God might initiate, what steps He might have us take next to maybe heal a relationship or even heal our own hearts, uh, no matter where we're at. So if you bow your heads with me, and, and wherever you're at, if you're online, just, just get a, a, an engaged, comfortable place. And let's invite the Holy Spirit to, to surround us with the Father's love. So God, thank you for this, this time with these fathers. And God, I know I know these men, and, and I know at the very least that our hope is that for some of us out here, we would get a glimpse of what your heart is like for all of us, God. Yet at the very least that we can leave today and know that we're all beloved, as David said, that we're all cherished, teaching was recorded in partnership between Tallgrass Community Church and The Well. For more resources like this, visit tallgrass.church and thewellmhk.com.